do you trust me with your development as a player or your experience as a youth athlete? And then the flip side of it is, can I trust you to come to practice and it be about getting better and being part of our team and looking for ways to help our team win? If we can trust each other in those two areas, yours and mine, then everything else is, is going to be fine. This is the Reform Sports Project, a podcast about restoring healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy. Hi, this is Nick Bonacore from the Reform Sports Project podcast. With me today is the head baseball coach at Liberty University, Scott Jackson. Named the 2021 A-Sun Coach of the Year, Coach Jackson has seen several school records set, mentored numerous draft picks, and won multiple championships in his five years in Lynchburg. Scott and I discuss why parents should stay out of practice, building trust between players and coaches, and what he looks for from those players looking to get off the bench and stay in the starting lineup. Man, back in the fight. I am freaking fired up. I have another just phenomenal guest. He's a stud, head coach of one of the top programs in the country. Some will call them a mid-major. Um, I don't like that term, especially I think that we can get into this. It's a whole nother layer of conversation, but there are uh, levels to college sports, and these guys are swinging with every Power 5 program in the country right now. Head coach of Liberty Coach Scott Jackson, Liberty Baseball, thanks so much for hopping on, Coach. Appreciate you, man. Well, thanks for having me, Nick. It's always good to chat with you and just love what you're doing, man. Glad to be a part of it. Well, I appreciate you, Coach. And you guys, I mean, what are you sitting here? uh, You know, here we are, like roughly 20 games into the season. And, golly, you're in the top 15 in the country, man. I know this isn't your first time being in the national spotlight. But, you know, what's it like real quick, you know, being at Liberty University and and sitting there with the big dogs? I mean, knocking on the door, it could be, you can, for, for all we know, it could be in Omaha this year. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's been great. It's been a great start to the season for, for our players and for our fans. I think, you know, anytime you get a chance to get, you know, some recognition early in the season, it really allows more people to become familiar with who you are and who your players are, most importantly. I mean, any good program um, is, is, is all going to be about the players, and so they've earned that opportunity. I think they've worked their tails off. It's it's great as a coach to sit there and watch them work and then to be rewarded for that work. So, so here we are and, and enjoying you know, every day, every day is a challenge, whether it's practice or games. And, um, you know, for us, that's that's what we're trying to stay focused on and, and trying to give ourselves the best chance to get better each day. Coach, I love it. And I know, uh, you know, we've we've built a good relationship here over the last couple of years. You know, we're connected through the baseball community. And, and I mean, we spoke about a year and a half ago in detail. And, uh, you know, we're talking youth sports and athletic development. And, and during our last conversation, you had talked specifically about practice, you know, when it comes yes. to youth ball. And you actually made a comment that, that got a lot of people, you know, I want to say, it brought out a lot of energy. It brought out a lot of energy because I think it's a hot button topic. And, and you know, I'm not know the exact quote, but talking about, you know, at youth practices, dropping your kid off at practice and allowing them to have the experience, you know, with their coach and their teammates, as opposed to kind of, you know, being a parent hovering around. Can you talk a little bit about that and what you mean by, you know, why do you think it's important for parents to kind of separate themselves from a, from a youth practice and allow that experience to be the kid in the coach's time? Yeah, I just think that's exactly what it should be. It should be, you know, our time together. And I say our because I'm a coach and I, I've got, you know, 35 players in that locker room that uh, every day together, uh, we just try to, to absolutely cling to, um, you know, once the season ends, this whole particular group of guys, you know, they may never all be together in the same room, uh, let alone the same field again. And so I, I just think that time is sacred if you will um it's, it's just our time to be together and to block out distractions and i think that's how you know your your toughness your resolve 
Uh, there's there's some failure. There's some uh, maybe some some push from a coaching staff or a teammate. Like all the experiences that you get through sports and specifically baseball, um, everybody wants to focus on the games. But you're made as a man and as a player and as a teammate. I mean, those things happen in the weight room. They happen in practice. And I just think there's a time and a place to celebrate your son or daughter playing a sport. And I, I just. I'm just not really sure practice time is, is the time to do that. And I think if you're allowing them to build character and to be part of something bigger than themselves, then practice is probably the most valuable thing. We can all celebrate game day together, but I think the toughness and the edge and, and the things that come with being a, an athlete, a high caliber athlete, all those things are just built in practice. And so let's just make that their time with their teammates and coaches because that's exactly what it needs to be. As you were talking, I started getting a visualization because, I mean, I coach my kids' youth teams and, and, of course, it's rec ball. But, you know, one thing I noticed is that, and you mentioned the failure piece or, or you know, a correction, right? A coach kind of, you know, correcting a circumstance. You know, maybe a kid's not doing something the way he or she knows how to or you're just teaching them or they're confused. Oftentimes, you'll see a kid... And my kids are, are, are I want to say guilty of this. That's probably not the right word. But I think at young ages in particular, the kids look to their parents. You know, they look over for almost that validation and almost having the parent maybe not in the limelight, right? Not hanging there at the backstop. Maybe then the kid will all of a sudden, when he has a question or is confused, instead of turning to the parent for that validation, will learn to turn to the coach, you know, to see if they're doing things right. Which I think if I'm describing this rightly or, or, or listening to what you're saying properly, it's almost forming that bond and that trust factor with that coach. No, you nailed it. And that's the exact word. You, I was just about to say you took it right out of my mouth. It's like that that's the one thing that I think between coaches and players that is 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 paramount through all of this is do you trust me with your development as a player or your experience as a youth athlete? And then the flip side of it is, can I trust you? Can I trust you to come to practice and it be about getting better? And being part of our team and, and looking for ways to help our team win, if we can trust each other in those two areas, yours and mine, then everything else is, is going to be fine. Everything we, we can go through all kinds of ups and downs together and experience things that are fun and that are frustrating if we trust each other. And, you know, I think that the other thing with parents being at practice is, you know, I think there's just a comparison thing that goes into this. Like most parents are going to try to compare their son to other players, you know, at that age. And I mean, we've all heard that quote, comparison is the thief of joy. And I, I really think that that's true. I think that, you know, if you're looking at it through the right lens, you're not comparing yourself to other people. In fact, you're just, you're looking at it in way like how can I be part of this team how can I make an impact whatever role that is I trust my coach to put me in a situation to be better in practice and I also trust that he's doing the things that I need to become a better person first and then a better player second this kind of brings up I did a tweet the other day and it was based off of some conversations I had recently and the tweet was and I believe this uh you know because I've heard people say and this is geared towards mostly high school and college age kids a lot of times I've heard kids or, or situations where I'll hear a parent or a kid kind of say, well, the coach isn't giving my kid his shot, you know, during the game. He's not giving him a shot, his opportunity to play. And in my tweet, I said 99.9% of the time when a kid says, quote unquote, the coach isn't giving him a chance, he's full of crap. And, and the reason yeah. I believe that is because I think you get a chance every time you're at a practice, every time 
you're in a weight room, every engagement, whether you're in the classroom, uh, off the field stuff, so much more go. And this is all from my own experience playing, you know, for Mike Fox and Charlie Long and Scott Forbes and Jerry Edwards and, and my coaches at North Carolina Wesleyan. Like if I was, you know, having a great inner squad or, or, you know, working hard at practice, but I wasn't being a very good teammate or if I wasn't uh, doing what I needed to do off the field or in the classroom, I might not get my chance in the game and, and, and vice versa. Like if I was only doing the things, you know, well off the field, but wasn't producing when given the opportunity then I still might be limited. So, I mean, it's the full Monty, right? We're talking about the full package. Isn't there so much more to just production uh, on the field? And what is what do you look for to be able to, let's say, let's say a kid's a fringe player, right? He can crack the potentially starting lineup. What are the things that you're looking for to maybe to give that kid the opportunity to maybe earn his keep or get in a game? Well, I think, I mean, I mean, I think you nailed it. We all get opportunities every day. You get an opportunity, number one, to show up and be on time. And you get a, you get an opportunity to show up and be engaged. You get an opportunity to show up and, and look around you and care about your teammates. I mean, it, it all starts there for me and for anybody who, you know, it has been part of our program. That's been something that we've, we've really tried to embrace and talk about. We have three pillars in our program to serve, to grow, and then to compete. And so if the first two are there, the compete one, it's last for a reason because you're probably not going to get that opportunity to compete when it matters if the servant mindset and the growth mindset aren't there. And so those are all opportunities. It's hard. It's, it's hard to look at it sometimes from a coach's perspective. It's hard sometimes to look at it um, without the, the parent goggles on and, and, hey, my son deserves it. He's worked just as hard. He's not getting an opportunity. All the things that you just said, but, you know, the, the, the opportunities are certainly there for, for all of us. And whether that's in life um, as an as a employee um, or an athlete, you get opportunities to make a difference every day and to do the right thing and to, and to make the right decisions. And I think that's you know exactly what we're trying to teach as we go through our process here of being an athlete at Liberty and going through that experience. Uh, the things that truly matter that are going to end up you know going with you when you leave here um, are some simple things that sometimes we have a, a knack to overlook and and to really um, maybe miss some of those great opportunities that are there that have nothing to do with playing time. And so for me, that's where it starts. The players decide who plays. I mean, it's always been that way. And you know, it always will continue to be that way. And if you'll get the details right, do all those little things, you look up and find yourself in a pretty good spot. At least that's been my experience. You know, you, you hear the sayings and such, you know, you talk about competing and the opportunity to compete. You know, when it comes down to, you know, you mentioned playing time, because that's, let's face it, that's that's what everyone, you know, seems to want. What does it take from an off-the-field standpoint? Like, what might stand out to you and say, man, I really need to give this kid this shot? You know what I mean? Like, he's earned his keep. Can you get into details about what they can be doing in particular to get themselves on the field? Yeah, I, I just I just think it's, uh, there's just not a coincidence. We call it keeping your house in order. And so when you keep your house in order, that includes your academics. That includes, you know, taking care of your body. That includes getting up and eating breakfast. That includes just all the things that go with trying to play this game at a high level and being able to do it over the course of 60 or 70 games. And so, you know, those are the habits, um, you know, habits turn into routines um, and routines give you a chance, I think, to be at your best. And so what your habits are like really, I think, speak volumes to uh, what kind of consistency you're going to have on the field. So at the end of the day, when I'm putting somebody in the lineup um, or using them in a certain role on the mound, uh, I'm putting them in there because I have a pretty good idea of what to expect uh, when I put them in the lineup and so in order to be able to know what to expect you have to have consistency in order to have consistency you have to have good habits in order to have uh you know even more consistency your routine has to get better and it has to be part of who you are and how you show up every day and if it's not about that process of the everyday 
um, habits that you have and it's all about outcomes, then it's just going to be a cruel game. It's going to bring you to your knees. It's going to be an up and down roller coaster ride that, you know, I've seen guys go on and it's a frustrating deal for them because they're, they're narrow minded and they have outcome and results at the end of, and it's attached to everything that they do. And, you know, we, we just, we try to get away from that as much as we can and just make it about what we do every single day. Uh, how you do anything is how you do everything. And that's kind of how we've operated here. And we've been fortunate to have a lot of kids that understand. After the break, Scott and I dive into recruiting, the transfer portal, and keeping youth players engaged. Welcome back to the Reform Sports Project podcast. Where we left off, Coach Jackson and I were about to discuss a bit more about parental involvement before moving on to recruiting and keeping kids on the field. So I know it's a little bit different at the college level and you'll, you know, you'll have a lot of high school and youth parents that'll listen to this and, you know, dealing with a parent, I would imagine at the collegiate level is a little bit different. Um, I would imagine that it is, you know, as far as dealing with, let's say a high school, how should parents kind of view, like, what's the tug of war, um, piece of it, right? Because I think it's important for parents to have to, to show that they're interested, but where's the line that's kind of drawn the sand as far as when I might be overstepping my boundaries versus when I'm trying to build good rapport, you know, with a high school or youth or even collegiate coach? Yeah, I, I mean, I mean, and this is going to sound repetitive, but to me, it goes back to those moments that you have a chance as a parent to prepare your son for being able to interact with his coach and, and not even have to even think about getting involved, especially from a playing time standpoint. I mean, if you're doing the right thing, and okay, so the practice thing's one of them. If you've let your kid go to practice and talk to his coach and communicate with him and build a relationship with him, and that's habitual for him with every team that he plays on, well, then it shouldn't change when he gets to college, right? Hey, I've got a great relationship with my coach because I communicate with him, I listen to him, and I trust him. So if I can do those things, why can't I go walk up in his office and sit down and talk to him and look him in the eye and have have that conversation. I leave my office door open every single moment for a reason because I want guys to feel like they can come in here and we can sit down and it might be about life. It might be about baseball. But if we have that open door relationship, sometimes they might not like what I have to say. But if I'm going to be honest with them and we have a good relationship, then they'll walk out of there and feel like, hey, I'm respected because he's going to tell me the truth. And I'm respected because it matters to him to be able to make time to spend with me in his office and, and talk about whatever it might be on their mind. So I, I think all all those habits are created and it goes back to being, you know, a young athlete and, and how much your parents want to focus on the things that matter. And that to me really matters. Drop them off at practice, allow them to embrace relationships and trust with teammates and coaches. And that's going to be something that they carry with them when they go on to college. You know, you're at Liberty right now. You play ball at Campbell, right? So between Campbell now and, and obviously Liberty, you know, you guys being the top 25, I mean, you're high level, quote unquote, mid-major division one. Well, you actually, you also coached at a power five, right? You coached at the University of North Carolina. I believe you went to Omaha a couple of times. What's the difference? You know, like you're playing Wake Forest, you said tonight, you know, which is, you know, Wake Forest is Wake Forest and the ACC. What's the difference from a recruiting standpoint, per se, when you're trying to get kids to come to Liberty versus, because I know, you know, parent, everyone wants to go D1, right? And this is a topic I love to talk about, um, you know, but JUCO is a great route. D2, D3, you know, the right fit. How do kids know and parents know where their kid could stack up? And what do you look for? And let's say when you, because you recruited at Carolina, what are the differences between recruiting at Carolina and recruiting at Liberty? Well, I, th- I mean, I think for me, you know, you look at, we all want to coach good kids that come from good families and, and they have, you know, the right reasons in making decisions, whether it's, 
you know, what, what I'm going to do today, where I'm going to go to school. Um, you know, I think the perspective of what's important to me and what matters to me in the process is really, to me, paramount with um, any type of recruiting decision. So the same thing goes for us, right? I mean, we're not recruiting any differently here at Liberty than we did um, at any school that I was at, whether it was UNC Wilmington, Campbell, uh, North Carolina, even Barton College. I mean, we're all recruiting high-caliber players. I think the game and, and the, the coaches and evaluators, that they'll let you know uh, where you fit. And I think if you've got people around you that, that are going to tell you the truth. Um, I, I think that's one thing that bothers me a little bit in this process is how many people along the way in your recruiting process are going to sit you down and look you in the eye and tell you the truth. Um, and, it, and if you have some of those people in your corner and some people you feel like can do that for you um, and it's not biased, um, probably the high school coach is probably a great place to start because he's not a travel ball coach and he doesn't have any other attachment other than, hey, I've been around you. Um, I know who you are as a person. I know what um, you can do and you can't do. Uh, I know where you are from a maturity level. Um, and, you know, those are the things that I think if you can have somebody that's honest with you through the process and, and tell you exactly where they see you. Um, um, then that's a great place to start. And, and I don't see that enough um, right now with what, what we go through in the recruiting process. I think maybe sometimes that's a difficult conversation to have uh, as a coach or as a mentor to a young man and his family, but they're just paramount. They're paramount in the process is to have somebody that's honest with you and can tell you exactly where they see you. Do you think it's like a situation, because the transfer portal is a, a, a dynamic that wasn't around when I was playing, and do you think that that now has turned into a situation where it's like, all right, let me try to go to XYZ school, and if it doesn't work out, I'll just go back in the transfer portal? Is that just like an easy, you know, uh, out per se? Like it, it detaches that long-term perspective, like, hey, I really want to play at such and such school, but I might have to wait my time. Uh, you know, and, and that almost seems unacceptable now, um, which I, it's just the culture, is it right, wrong? I don't know, but it's... It seems to me, especially when you look at like college basketball right now or even college baseball, and I know I just watched the college wrestling national tournament. I mean, the guy, there were guys in their mid-20s. Obviously, kids got COVID years, quote-unquote, super seniors. It seems like teams with more uh, upperclassmen at times seem to have an advantage, but it seems harder and harder to get upperclassmen built teams. Is that a direct result of the transfer portal? And can you just kind of dig into the, the pros and cons of the transfer portal, how it's impacting sports today? Yeah, I, well, I think the transfer portal is, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it used to be this way, right? I mean, it, before the 25% and the roster limits and, you know, you had to sit out a year when you transferred. I mean, when I, when I first started coaching, this was always in play. Um, kids were, were free to transfer one time without penalty. And it was something that, uh, was part of the process as far as recruiting goes. There was always possibly a transfer out there that could, that could help your program. So I just think, look, this, this just goes back to, to, to the, the process we just talked about. Are you choosing a school for the right reasons? Are you choosing it because of the people that you're going to be around, because of the experience that you get to have when you go to that program? Are you choosing it because the culture makes me feel like, man, I want to be part of this. I want to be part of something that's a winner. I want to be part of something that has good players and good coaches. And it's it's about more than winning and losing. If it's if you go through the process and it's about the gear, if it's about the scholarship, if it's about, hey, my playing time. How many people are on your roster? I just think, I just think you're looking at it, and those may be some pieces that um, are, are there a little bit, but they can't be at the core of why you make your decision. 
And maybe that's why some kids, um, they miss on that first recruiting process out of high school is, is they, they maybe they don't make the decision based on the right reasons. And for me, you know, the, the, the transfer portal for us is, is we've, we've been fortunate to get some kids out of the transfer portal that, that have one or two years left. But, you know, some of those kids were Division two players that went to a school that didn't have graduate school. And so they wanted to go somewhere for one more year and start on their master's because they had another year of eligibility. Uh, some of the kids that we've had have, have come down here for warmer weather. Um, you know, so there's a, a variety of factors. But the one thing that I've really been proud of is, is that the kids that we've gotten from the transfer portal, their character and the type of teammates they are, it's incredible. Yeah, it helps that they're, they're older players that are stronger and have some experience. But the thing that I'm most proud of is is what they've done to enhance our locker room and enhance our clubhouse and to be able to, to look at their teammates and, and their teammates look at them and say, hey, who's this new guy? And this new guy have all the right reasons for being here and they fit into that clubhouse and make it better right out of the gate. That, that's been huge for us. So if we if we circle back and kind of and kind of dig real quick back into the youth element, I, if I'm a youth coach and which I am, and I'm listening to you, and I'm going, how do I take this information that Coach Jackson's saying and apply it to my nine U, you know, rec baseball team, where these kids are literally, I mean, seventy five percent of the kids I coach are literally trying to figure out how to properly throw and catch, you know, like you know they're really learning the basic fundamentals, and you know as the season goes on, you know they get better, they get better by being out there. But I think one of the things that is so paramount. I love that word you used, is retention. And I think we're so quick to make it so about wins and losses and performance at the youth level that kids who might be a little bit behind development-wise – you know, maybe get scared off to another sport because let's baseball is a very challenging sport. Uh, it, it's it's there's a lot of skills involved, and, and and I think retention is such a key. We got to keep these kids playing so they have the opportunity to get better. You know, but at the same time, I don't want my kid or quote unquote parents don't want their kids or travel organizations don't want to have teams that aren't winning all the time. So how do we figure that out? You're you know, if you're a sports parent, how do I navigate this where I could put my kid in the best possible situation to where he's having fun so he keeps wanting to play? Because if you're not playing, you're not going to get better anyway. How do you navigate that? No, I, I mean, you just nailed it. Is it fun? Is is it fun? Like, look at yourself as a youth coach and ask yourself, is it fun to come to my practice? I think that's exactly where I would start, uh, where anybody needs to start. And is it about, is it about like, being able to, to do things exactly like you're supposed to do them? Or is it about us getting better and having a foundation for here's how we're going to do things? Guys, here's how we're going to field a ground ball. Guys, here's how we're going to warm up every day. And it's something that they have a chance to look forward to. I mean, let's be honest, for some kids, the results in the games aren't going to be there because they're just not quite ready for coach fish or they're not quite ready for uh, a bigger field whatever the case may be so if that's their only experience is measured with did i get a hit or um, was i able to throw strikes or was i able to get uh, strikeouts like whatever if that's what they're wrapped up in it's not going to be fun for them because that's how our game works right i mean it's 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 a game of failure so if it's about that then then more kids are going to be pushed away than, than are going to be sucked in by this game. I was sucked in by it at a young age because I had a twin brother. And I just loved to go play catch. And I loved to go out there and do things that had nothing to do with uh, the result of the game or the result of the at-bat. And so if we can make that fun for kids to be able to go to practice and to do things the right way in practice, uh, everybody can do something the right way. They might not be as talented as the guy next to them, but if we make it about doing things the right way and here's the foundation of 
the skill set that we want our kids to have and they want to learn how to do these things in the game, then they're going to give themselves the best chance to develop and the best chance to be a good baseball player and to have fun with it. And if we can do those things, then I think we're putting our, our youth in a, in a great chance to, to just fall in love with baseball and, and to do something um, maybe bigger than they thought, you know, just because the coaches cared and they did things the right way. But you nailed it. It's got to be fun or kids aren't going to like it. You know, as we finish up here, Coach, you brought up, and I think it's one of the biggest things that gets missed or people don't understand, and, and I just can think back of my experience. I was a catcher, and, and when those that, that field grew, and I, I, I couldn't reach second base for like a year and a half. Like, I, I, the field got bigger, and I, could, I didn't get bigger, and it was frustrating. It was challenging. What are ways parents... You know, some advice you'd give to these kids who are quote unquote late bloomers physically, right? Everyone wants to reclassify now. Well, let's say you just want to keep your kids involved. You want to, they have some talent. They love the game. The fields are going to get bigger. Things are going to get more challenging. What are ways that they can navigate that, keep their kids excited while keeping them with a good attitude and the right perspective? No, that, that's a great question. It's so hard to, to, I mean, the good Lord's going to give you your growth spurt and your strength is going to come, you know, when your body decides uh, it's ready to grow or it's ready to get stronger. We can't rush that. As soon as we start to rush that, it becomes a uh, risk of injury and, and our guys getting frustrated with, with where they're at. I would just say if we're going to if we're going to keep kids engaged when the, the field gets bigger or the game gets a little bit faster, we have to be really, really good at the things that we can control. Okay, we can't control throwing to bases that are, uh, you know, 120 feet now instead of what we were used to when we were 12 U. Uh, we, we can't control how hard another guy's throwing, but we can certainly control um, the little things like how foundational can I be with my footwork? Um, how well do I know myself as a hitter? Um, do, can I do some things? Can I bunt? Can I help my team get on base? I might not be the strongest kid. I went through that. I've got a 15-year-old, and he just wasn't very strong, but he kept playing. Um, he kept working. He's starting to finally get a little bit stronger, and his success has come a little bit later rather than sooner. And so for me, it's just about allowing our kids to be able to control the things that they can and, and to do things that are there for this game, right? I mean, there's some little guys playing in the big leagues, and you know, this is one sport where you, you can do some things. So maybe you need to get a little bit faster. Maybe you need to learn how to bunt a little bit. Maybe you need to be able to bridge that gap with some skills that you haven't had to worry about before uh, until now that that may be skills that are going to be great for your game that you can take with you for the rest of your career because you stepped outside and said, you know what, I'm, I'm aware. I'm very self-aware of who I am and where I am, and i got to do some different things to be able to get on base and to be able to help my team. And you know, maybe I need to go play second base when I turn 13 until I get a little bit bigger and stronger, and then I can go back to the left side. So you know, some of those things that come to mind early, I mean, everybody's path is different, but uh, we all have to be patient with our bodies and our strength level scott jackson liberty university i can't thank you enough my man this has been awesome nick i appreciate you dude you're doing big things and i appreciate you including uh, not just myself but liberty baseball and uh just uh, keep on plugging man it's awesome that's scott jackson head baseball coach at liberty university thanks for listening to the reform sports project podcast i'm nick bonacore and our goal is to restore a healthy balance and perspective in all areas of sport through education and advocacy for updates please follow us on facebook twitter and instagram or check out our website by searching for the reform sports project